0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, as we look closer at Jude verses 5 through 16, we will see that false teachers will be judged. They speak more than they know and more than they live. False teachers also speak too soon and too much about that which they know too little. Lastly, we'll also see that false teachers have lots of impure motives. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. You should settle
1: for knowing less of God's Word and obeying all that you know than knowing more of God's Word and happily not obeying what you know. So these lawless eggheads, these antinomian Gnostics, false teachers who believed that knowledge was superior to virtue, these false teachers strongly separated the material from the spiritual. And they saw the material as inevitably evil, and they saw the spiritual as inevitably good. And so this caused them to live like moral schizophrenics. They cultivated what they felt were their spiritual lives while they indulged themselves in whatever lawless pleasures their flesh desired. And the first thing that Jude assures is that such false teachers will be judged. False teachers will be judged. They don't get a pass from heaven. Verses 5 to 7. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in the undergoing of the punishment of eternal fire. What we see here is that false teachers will be judged, and the evidence that they will be judged here is three historical examples of God's sure judgment. Jude, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, goes back to three concrete examples historically, to evidence and to illustrate and to prove that God will judge these false teachers. Number one example is unbelieving Israelites were judged after the exodus out of Egypt. The second historical example is that rebellious angels became demons, that they are destined for judgment. And the third historical example is that Sodom and Gomorrah's homosexuals were judged. Three historic examples of God judging sin to evidence that false teachers will be judged. The second thing that Jude assures, not only that false teachers will be judged, but secondly, false teachers speak more than they know. That's part of what it means to be a false teacher. They shoot their mouths off about more than they actually know or live. Verses 8 to 10. Yet in the same way, these men also, by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil, argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed." Yes, false teachers speak more than they know. In a nutshell, these false teachers speak too soon about that which they know too little. They merely are dreaming, but they're talking. And they're self-polluting, but they're talking like they are pure and pristine spring water. And they're bad-mouthing angels and church leaders but they're talking as if respectful Christians should really listen to them. And they're actually in the dark, but they abusively talk against what they don't even understand. They talk too soon and too much about that which they do not know. And Jude's point in verse 9 is that if God's archangel Michael wouldn't slander Satan how can Satan's false teachers dare to slander God's angels and church leaders? That's a little tightly wound reasoning. Let me say it again. Jude's point in verse 9 is that if God's archangel Michael wouldn't slander Satan, how can Satan's false teachers dare to slander God's angels and church leaders? It's presumption. False teachers have vicious and loose tongues. The third thing that Jude assures is that such false teachers have plenty of impure motives. False teachers have plenty of impure motives. That's in verses 11 to 16. Please follow as I read these. Look for the impure motives of these false teachers. Verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts, When they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him these are grumblers finding fault following after their own lust they speak arrogantly flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage <laughs> they have plenty of impure motives false teachers I see eight, if you're taking notes, eight impure motives which are characteristic of false teachers. Number one, it's called the way of Cain in verse 11. This is the way of rejecting God's way to reconciliation in favor of taking one's own way to reconciliation. Remember Cain? He offered an unacceptable sacrifice in the Garden of Eden. He knew what God expected but he went his own way. He did do-it-yourself salvation. These false teachers fall into the way of Cain. They reject God's way of reconciliation and formulate their own way. Second impure motive of false teachers, they fall into the error of Balaam. The error of Balaam is hiring oneself out to do God's work. Balaam was Prepared to prophesy against Israel what God didn't say about Israel for money. That's the error of Balaam. Hiring oneself out to allegedly do God's work and have a mercenary ministry. False teachers have that kind of an impure motive. Third impure motive they fall into the rebellion of Korah. This is the rebellion of mutiny against God's appointed leadership. Korah tried a coup d'etat in the camp of Israel, and people today are still trying coup d'etats in the church, trying to undermine and to remove Jesus Christ as the head of the church, trying to undermine and make ineffective the under-shepherding ministry of ordained pastors in the church. So to sum up these first three impure motives, the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, and the rebellion of Korah, we could say from verse 11 that the false teachers want their own way to God. Second, they want money for their ministry. More than anything, they want money. And number three, they want power
0: in the church. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's personal God story.
1: Well, good morning. I'm pleased this morning to have my brother Harcourt McCoy in the studio. Good morning,
2: brother. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, Harcourt, where did you grow up? I grew up in an area on uh, Harold Road, which is now called Tonic-Williams-Darling Highway. But my immediate neighborhood was the surrounding areas of Yellow Elder. Very good. So you're a New Providence uh, native. (laughs) Definitely. definitely, (laughs) That's good. What kind of work are you in now, Harcourt? I'm an educator by profession. I'm an administrator at uh, one of our major high schools, Anatole Rogers. I'm the vice principal responsible for the senior school and I'm also responsible for senior boys basketball at the school.
1: Wonderful. Listeners, you can't see my brother, but he's got a nice big build. If I needed a vice principal, uh, he'd be my man. <laughs> All right. You said you're a basketball coach. Right. And I was just wondering if you would see any parallels between sports
2: and the Christian life. Definitely. In sports, it doesn't matter really which sport you're trying to be successful at, but there are some things that you have to be as a coach and as a player. When you're talking about being a player, it may seem like talent might be the most salient thing that you might need, but the first thing you may need to be is coachable. Mm, teachable. Uh, coachable, teachable. There's a certain level of humbleness, meekness that you would need. And you have to have an open mind mm. You know, to being shaped, you know, being able to take good criticism yes. from persons who you may have respect for um, to get become successful. And I see similarities in the Christian life because as Christians, we're called to be humble. Yes. We're called to be able to listen, to hear the voice of Christ within us, but also being able to have persons who share the walk with us, be able to say to us things that may be able to help us to help ourselves first and also be able to help others.
1: That's great. Those are a lot of good lessons that sports uh, parallels our Christian faith. I appreciate that. You work with youth as an administrator, as a basketball coach, and a vice principal. And uh, this is a challenging time in our country. I just wonder if there are any issues that are uh, evident to you in our youth,
2: that really Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer for those issues? Wow, that is like a loaded question, but Mm -hmm. there are several aspects of that that I would like to expound on, especially um, young men in particular. Mm -hmm. With all the many different distractions and things that are going on, one of the biggest things about helping them to realize that they can be successful or anything that they wanna be. Um, Sports being just one of the paragraphs in life. Mm -hmm. How are we to get these guys to be successful people? And I think one of the things that they need more than anything else is to, to remember or to understand that regardless of where you come from, where your starting point was, you know, what your parental situation is, where you live, what you go through daily, they have to find out that God loves you. Mm -hmm. You are guaranteed a relationship with God because his son died on the cross for you. And that means that you are entitled to a relationship with him. It doesn't matter what you've done. In my um, opportunities in dealing with young men and, and coaching basketball and teaching, one of the things that we've always tried to instill in them is putting God first, you know family next, um education, and always trying to think about where I am now and where it is you want to go in the future, but going back to my first point, the relationship, yes, you know some people think that you know I have to have nice clothes to come to church mm-hmm. and um if I don't have nice clothes or I, I I should be a part of a church that dress up every day and come to church. But the biggest issue is getting them to understand, even if they don't come to church, just to have a prayer life, to have a confidence, someone who they can talk to in the quietness of their own heart. Yes. You know, i I can talk to God about anything. Mm-hmm. Some of our young men find their confidence or their relationships more strongly with their friends and their neighborhood pairs. When they're fearful or when they have challenges in their life, it's some of the reasons why we have crime. It's some of the reasons why we have gang violence Mm -hmm. because they don't see a relationship with God being something that will help them to be able to manage all the many things, bullying, peer pressure, drugs, sex, all kinds of things. Rather than you know having a conversation with Christ every day, and the the journey for perfect home in terms of parents is is like the vain trip because right. there are very few people in my encounters in sports who have both parents at home um both parents working and supporting their family an environment where there is an opportunity where their parents don't send them to church but bring them to church right have investigated whether or not they have given their life to Christ or whether they pray daily or have a a life with a bible mm-hmm. and and have taken time to say well listen you know when you are going through something these are some verses you should read or pray or 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 spend time meditating on excellent so it 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 causes us to really fill that void as teachers and as coaches and sometimes we don't pay it enough attention Mm -hmm. but the time that we do it is definitely more better served than not having it at all Thank you so much. That's a encouraging answer.
1: I think our listeners can take great encouragement that there are committed uh, born-again Christians like Harcourt in the uh, public and private school systems that are teaching more than mathematics and geography. They're, they're teaching character. They're teaching faith. And I'm so grateful to know that. I know our listeners are as well. This has been so good, Harcard. I just wonder, is anything else that you think you would like to say
2: to our listeners uh, this morning? I'm in the field of education, and one of the things that we really value is the tripod effect of nurturing and trying to create citizens that will carry the country forward. Their knowledge is just not at, at school, but at home they should be taught at school, obviously, and then at church. Hmm. With those three elements affecting each and every one of these children that we come into contact with, there should be some kind of shaping. Sadly, a lot of our young men and young ladies don't go to church. They don't have a Sunday school experience a lot of times. But you would be surprised how many um, young people don't have an experience or a firm grasp on how two young men should relate to each other, mm-hmm. how a young man should relate to a female, mm-hmm. how two females should relate to each other, mm-hmm. how females should relate to a maternal adult yes. or a patriarch adult, mm-hmm. um, the way they speak, the way that the world demands that they engage adults. And so uh, a lot of times we are trying to get them to understand The language, but not only the language of the community, but the language of Christianity and the the language of how to be blessed in their life by having Christ as their source, by having an understanding that they can have everything in life that is good uh, and appreciation for it by spending more time having a a relationship a communication with God Mm -hmm. um, daily you know uh, some people say you know Muslims pray this amount of times a day but you know I tell my kids if you pray in the morning when you get up and you pray when you go to bed you pray three times a day for your meals you end up praying five times a day and that's outside of when something goes wrong in your life and so I encourage um, my basketball players my own children to you know I'm, I'm their parent, I'm their coach, but at the same time, there's someone who is greater than me. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we try to make as coaches and as teachers and as adults is that we don't tell the kids that we were the kind of people who made mistakes too. Right. In the environment that I grew up in, yes, we played a lot of sports, but there was all the negative things growing up in those communities, and we went through seeing how when people follow different tracks where they ended up in life. Yes. And, uh, you know, the only thing I think that saved me was encountering some people who were on the track that understood that if God is present in your life, if you make sound choices and try to follow the right path, it it, kind of works itself out. I've met people who were very much more brighter than me. Mm-hmm. Very much more financially sorted out than me. Mm-hmm. But their lives took on different roads. When I get to heaven, I'm, I'm going to ask the good Lord about it, but the truth of the matter is, I think he has a plan for everybody. Yes, he does. And if we can just find a way to navigate through all the other things that life will throw us, maybe we become in touch with the, the potential or the purpose that we're actually here for. hmm it's not an easy road. Lots of times we have situations where we're trying to get the best out of these children and, and these these young men, especially in my case. And we don't always hit the mark. Some of them we lose. It's my humble prayer that we continue to, to save more than we lose. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you for that. I know that's straight from
1: your heart and uh, that's very meaningful. I sure love to pray for you and, and uh, the roles that God has given to you and, and other educators that know and love Christ. So let's look to the Lord together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time with Harcourt. We thank you for the many things that his uh, testimony reminds us of. The importance of Jesus Christ to be Lord of all of our lives and for persons to have a personal vital relationship with him to gain their identity, to gain their meaning in life, and to keep them uh, on the path of safety and righteousness. Lord, I also thank you for the discussion this morning that has uh, called a tripod of influence on young people, um, the church, the home, and the school. And I pray that increasingly that partnership would deepen and become more efficient and more effective. We pray Heavenly Father, as Harcourt has put it, that in our public schools and in our private schools, that more young people would be uh, one to Christ than are not, and that those that are one to Christ would be difference makers in the Bahamas and then in your plan, and will sometimes beyond the Bahamas, to other countries of the world. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being in a, a land where there is a freedom to educate uh, young persons, and even in this fine country, a freedom to do so with the principles of the Bible and the principles that are spiritual and centered in Jesus Christ. Please bless Harcourt and his wife and children and give them the joy of walking with you and seeing you make a difference in the lives they rub up against.
0: And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. John Chapter 3 Verse 3,
1: Jesus said to Nicodemus who was wondering about how to get to heaven, John 3.3, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The question simply is, what does Jesus mean by the phrase born again? Jesus explains what he means by the term born again, literally in the Greek, born from above in the verses that follow verse three. That is John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Let me read those verses. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, it is clear that Jesus is not talking about another physical birth. Physical birth happens only once. The new birth Jesus refers to is a spiritual rebirth. This involves entering into the new covenant through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. The person who is born from above experiences a heavenly birth brought about by the Holy Spirit resulting in a regenerated life. The only way to enter God's kingdom, the only way of becoming one of God's people is through being born again. And listener, if you do not know that you have been born again, probably you have not been born again. You are born again by acknowledging your sin problem before God, by believing that Jesus is the only remedy to your sin problem, and by looking to Him in faith, trusting Him and only Him, to forgive your sins, to give you spiritual life where you have been spiritually dead, and to make you brand new. Listening to me this morning on the radio, you could come to that decision. You could pray something like this, Dear God, you are holy, and I am not. I do not deserve to be your child. But I thank you that Jesus Christ loved me enough to die in my place on the cross to shed his blood to pay for all of my sins. Right now, I trust him and only him to be my savior, to make me alive out of my deadness, to cause me to be adopted into your family, Father. I trust Jesus and only Jesus. Now I want to be born again. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. If you pray that I'm delighted to welcome you into God's forever family. That is what it means to be born again. And now that you are born again, you are destined for heaven. Not as something you could earn, but as something you could only receive by the hand of faith as a gift. Now you want to live a thank you kind of life to Jesus who's made your born again experience possible. That thank you kind of life means turning from sin, means changing how you look at life, means getting with others who are born again in a church, means reading the Bible each day and finding out more about God's love for you. It means telling others how the, they need to be born again and how they can be born again. Salvation is free. It cost Jesus everything, but it's free to us. But now that we receive that gift of salvation, we need to live a thank you kind of life back to God. We'd be delighted here at Echoes of Calvary to hear from you that you've become born again today on the radio broadcast time and that we could help you to find a good Bible-believing church near where you live. Maybe send you some literature to get you started on your new life with Christ. But again, welcome to God's Forever Family.
0: God bless you. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue we encourage you to join us feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com that's eocradio at gmail.com or p.o box n1684 Nassau Bahamas and remember Everyone needs a savior.